you have your Bible, I invite you to turn to Daniel chapter 3. We're going to talk about faith under fire. While you're turning there, let me ask you a question. How many of you have ever been in a crisis? Probably every single one of us have been in a crisis at one time or another in our lives. Most of us are either in a crisis, we were in a crisis, or we're getting ready to go into another crisis. It's, it's part of life. We all have trouble. We all have problems. We all have issues. We all have struggles. It's, it's part of living. And sometimes, be honest, it's your fault. You said things you shouldn't have said. You did things you shouldn't have done. You uh, thought things that you shouldn't have thought. Ended up blurting out your mouth because you just held it there for too long. And boom, there it was. We've all found ourselves in the middle of trouble. In the middle of problems. Right now we're in the middle of a three week sermon series called Got Problems? God's got answers. We're going to take a look at some people in today's scripture who definitely had a problem, but God had an amazing answer. Daniel chapter 3, starting in verse 1. King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold whose height was 60 cubits and its breadth 6 cubits. It set up, he set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. This image was only nine feet wide, but it was about 90 feet tall. You couldn't say you couldn't see it. It's three times as tall as the ceiling in this sanctuary. And it was located on the plain of Dura. Now, the plain of Dura is flat, kind of like an airport. No one would have any trouble seeing that idol. You couldn't say, sorry, King Nebuchadnezzar, I just didn't see it. And not only could you obviously see the idol, everyone else could see you. There's no hiding, no hoping that no one sees you. You're right out there in front of God and everybody. Go to verse 2. Then King Nebuchadnezzar sent to gather the satraps, the prefects, and the governors... The counselors, the treasurers, the justices, the magistrates, and all the officials of the provinces to come to the decision of the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Anybody who was anybody was there. They all came and they stood before the idol. And the herald proclaimed aloud, You are commanded, O peoples, nations, and languages. This is a command, not an option. You don't get to pick and choose. I'm not worship the idol, but uh, I'll be glad to work in the kitchen. Or maybe be a spokesman for the Babylonian brotherhood. Or I won't worship your idol, but I'll be glad to take a little job over there in the office behind the scenes. No, that's not an option. Everyone was commanded. No one had a choice. Verse 5. That when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon. That's a triangle. Harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music. You're to fall down 
and worship the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. It would have been one thing to get a slap on the wrist. Here's your $50 fine. But this is no parking ticket. This is not a fine for jaywalking. They are not getting a night in jail for disturbing the peace. They are literally going to be thrown into a furnace of fire. And they were about to meet a very painful quick death. If they don't bow down to this idol. That's what the king is telling them. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are facing what Henry Blackaby calls an experiencing God, a crisis of belief. They have been confronted by the king. Listen, boys, if you do not bow down to this idol, you're going to be thrown into a furnace of fire. And it's going to be painful and you're going to die. They have a decision to make. Will we trust in? Will we follow? Will we honor our God? Or will we give in to the pressure? Every single one of us face crises of belief in our lives. Maybe you're being pressured at your job to do some things that you know are not right to do. You have a decision to make. Will I trust in and honor God or will I give in to what is the easier route to go? You may have a decision in your family. I know this is going to hurt some people's feelings. I know some people are not going to like it. But I know this is what God's word says and that's what I need to do. You're in the middle of a crisis of belief. You might be dating someone if you're single and they're pressuring you to go further than you know you ought to go in a physical relationship. You are in a crisis of belief. Will I trust God? Will I follow God? Will I honor God? Or will I give in to the pressure around me? But you don't understand. If I don't give in, I'm going to lose her. I'm going to lose him. Better to lose her or him now. Than to dishonor God. Because God is the one who must be followed. If you weren't a Jew, it really wouldn't matter whether you bowed down to this idol or not. Hey, what's one more idol? Add it to the list. One more pagan God. Let me see. How many does that make now? If you're not a Jew, it really doesn't matter. You can have as many gods as you want. But if you are a Jew... You understand something that the Babylonian pagans did not. You know that there is one true and only God. You know that Yahweh is the only God. And you must honor and follow and serve and worship Him alone. You see, several centuries earlier, the Jews had been given a couple of tablets Orders written in stone called the Ten Commandments. Say Ten Commandments with me. Ten Commandments. You ever heard of the Ten Commandments? There's a reason why they were called commandments. They were not suggestions. You didn't get to pick and choose. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had a decision to make. Are they going to bow down to this idol in obedience to Nebuchadnezzar the king? 
Or will they stay true to their faith and honor the Lord their God, the king above all kings? You ever been there? You are in the middle of a crisis of belief. Will I choose to honor God? Will I choose to follow God? Will I choose to worship God? Will I choose to serve God? Or will I take the easier, more convenient route? To bow down before this idol would be a direct violation of the first and second commandments. Exodus chapter 20, verses 3 and 5. God tells his people, you shall have no other gods before me. Not one. God says, I am the only God. You shall make no graven images and bow down and worship them. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I... The Lord your God am a jealous God. Don't be worshiping idols, he says. Worship God alone. Pretty plain statement. Not much wiggle room here. What Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego knew was something that too often we forget. That it's better to be right with God than popular with the world. Listen, compromise is one of the greatest dangers to victorious living. You see, if the enemy can get you to compromise a little bit over here and a little bit over there and a little bit over there before you know it, he has got you defeated. Remember Eve in the garden? The serpent came to Eve and said, come on, Eve. Did God really say you can't eat of every tree in the garden? Check out this tree, Eve. Why would God not want you to eat from it? It's beautiful. And this fruit that's on it is luscious. You should take some of it. In fact, it will help you be more like God. The serpent was tempting Eve. And Eve was listening to it instead of saying, get behind me. And she took from that tree. And she ate from that fruit. And she gave it to Adam. And Adam ate as well. And so sin entered into the world. Go to verses 7 and 8 in Daniel chapter 3. Therefore as soon as all the peoples heard the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music. All the peoples, nations, and languages fell down and worshipped the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Therefore, at that time, certain Chaldeans came forward and maliciously accused the Jews. The Jews being Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You see, these Chaldeans were jealous. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had already obeyed God during a crisis of belief earlier along with Daniel and God blessed them and so they were promoted and these Chaldeans are not very happy about it and they want to see Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego punished even dead verse 9 they declared to King Nebuchadnezzar O king live forever bunch of jealous hypocrites your majesty, they tattled, you issued a decree. You said that everyone who hears this music must bow down to this idol. But we got some Jews here, King Nebuchadnezzar. They're not listening. 
They're not obeying. They're not doing what you told them they must do. Verse 10. You, O king, they said, have made a decree that every man who hears the sound of the harp, horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music shall fall down and worship the golden image. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. There are certain Jews, king, whom you've appointed over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I know those are unusual names, but that's about the best we got, okay? They had some other names too, but they were kind of strange as well. So that's their names. That's what we call them. It's not my house, your house, and a bungalow. It's a Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, okay? These men, O king, pay no attention to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you've set up. And when Nebuchadnezzar hears this news, when he hears that there are men who are not bowing down to the idol, he is royally ticked off. He is furious with rage. He gives Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego one last warning. He says to them, you had better bow down to this idol or you're going to die. You're going to die a very painful death if you don't bow down. Then he continued, Nebuchadnezzar did, talking to Shadrach and Abednego and Meshach. He said, then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? What kind of question is that? To me, it's a rhetorical question. King Nebuchadnezzar is saying this to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Hey, if you do not bow down to my idol... You're going to be thrown into a furnace of fire and you're going to die. And there is not a man or a God in the world who can stop me. That's what he's saying in essence. There is no God who can deliver you. It's a rhetorical question in his mind. Now, it's also in a very different sense a rhetorical question to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Because they know there is a God. Who is able to deliver them. Is he not? He is the same God. Who spoke the universe into existence. He is the same God. Who put the stars in space. He is the same God. Who created the sun. And the moon. And the planets. And the water. And the oceans. And the rivers. And the trees. He is the same God. Who earlier had opened up the Red Sea so that the people of Israel could cross on dry land. He is the same God who brought down those walls at Jericho. He is the same God who would a little bit later this deliver Daniel from the lion's den. He is the same God who many years later would come to this earth and die. On a cross for your sin. And three days later be raised from the dead. He would ascend into heaven. And one day he's coming back again. As king of kings and lord of lords. Amen. He's God. He's the only true and living God. In Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They don't know about all that stuff in the future. But they know there is only one God. And that God is able to deliver us. Back to our story. In case you're wondering, this is no empty threat. 
Nebuchadnezzar is, is the most powerful man in all the world, and he's just threatened to take Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's lives. But they understood something. They understood the truth that Paul would declare some 600 years later in Romans 8, 31, when he said, if God is for us, it doesn't matter who's against us. Listen, the circumstances may be stacked up against you, and they may be great, but they are not greater than your God. Amen? Listen, anywhere inside of God's perfect will is better than anywhere else outside of it. Do you believe that? Anywhere with God is better than anywhere else without Him. Do you believe that? That doesn't mean circumstances will be easier if you follow God. They might be harder. They might be more difficult because you choose to follow God. There's always better to follow God than it is to not obey. And he promises whatever you're going through to be with you. In Hebrews 13, 5, God says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Isn't that good news? He promises us in that great commission. Lo, I am with you sometimes. Is that what he says? Lo, I am with you when circumstances are beautiful. Is that what he says? What's he say? Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. 1 John 4, 4 says, Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Do you believe that? Our young heroes are in a terrible crisis. But pay attention to their confidence. Go to verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. Do you see their confidence? Did you check out their faith? The God that we serve... He's able to deliver us. We just want you to know that, King. I don't care who you are. I don't care how hot your furnace is. I don't care how much power you have. I want you to know something, King. The God that we serve, He is able to deliver us. Do you believe that today? No matter what your situation, no matter what your circumstance, no matter what your problem, no matter what you need, you serve a God who is able to deliver you. Listen, faith is the cornerstone in the life that pleases God. Hebrews eleven six 6 says, Without faith, it is impossible, say impossible with me, impossible to please God. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, We live by faith, not by sight, but too often we live by circumstances. When circumstances are going well, I can trust in my God. When circumstances look like they're falling apart, I don't think I can do this anymore. But we don't live by circumstances, we live how? By faith. Galatians 5, 6 says the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. He, Ephesians six sixteen says take up the shield of faith. 1 Peter 1, 5 says make every effort to add to your faith. Jesus said if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you shall speak to this mountain and say get up. And move from over here to over yonder and it shall be done for you. You serve a God of the impossible. 1 John 5, 4 says faith is the victory. That overcomes the world. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They're not done. In verse 17. They express this incredible faith in God. They, serve, 
They say the God that we serve, he is able to deliver us. We want you to know that, King. I don't care what kind of furnace you got. I don't care how strong the people are throwing us in there. There's a God who's able to deliver us. But they didn't stop there, did they? What did they say? However, Mr. King, even if he does not deliver us, we are not bowing down to your idol. They had what Henry Blackaby calls a, a crisis of belief. Will we trust in God? Will we obey God? Will we follow God in the middle of this circumstance? Or will we simply bail? Some of you are in the middle of a crisis of belief today. You're in a situation at your job. You're in a situation in your family. You're in a relationship with somebody. There's a compromising relationship. Maybe in a dating relationship. Maybe among some friends. But some of you are in a crisis of belief. Right here and right now. Maybe God's called you some to step out in faith and do something. Think, I can never do that. What's God calling you to do? And will you trust him? And will you obey? Question. When's the last time you took a stand in obedience to your God? When's the last time you said chips fall where they may? I'm trusting God. I'm following Jesus Christ. I don't know how it's going to work out. I don't know what God's going to do or allow to be done. But I'm going to follow God. No matter what the cost. I think the early followers of Jesus Christ, the apostles, understood that. Tradition holds that the apostles of Jesus Christ died in the following manner. Now, the Bible does not say that, but tradition does. and We believe that it's accurate. At least I do. But here's what tradition tells us about how the early followers, the apostles of Jesus Christ died. Matthew suffered martyrdom by being slain with a sword. Mark died at Alexandria after being cruelly dragged through the streets of that city. Luke was hanged from an olive tree in the land of Greece. John was put in a cauldron of burning oil, but escaped death in a miraculous manner and was afterward banished to Patmos. Peter was crucified at Rome. When they told Peter, we're going to crucify you, Peter said, I am not worthy to die like my Lord Jesus Christ did. So you know what they did? Okay, we'll crucify you. But we're going to hang you upside down. James the Greater was beheaded at Jerusalem. James the Less was thrown from a lofty pinnacle of the temple. And then beaten to death with a club. Bartholomew was literally skinned alive. Can you imagine? I know some of you parents have probably told your kids, hey, I'm going to skin you alive if you do that. But you wouldn't really literally do that, would you? Hopefully not. But apparently that's what happened to Bartholomew. He was literally skinned alive. Can you imagine the pain? Andrew was bound to a cross from which he preached to his persecutors until he died. Thomas had a lance shoved through his body. Jude was shot to death with arrows. Matthias was first stoned and then beheaded. I guess they really wanted him dead. We're going to stone you and then we're going to cut your head off. Okay, you're going to be dead, man. 
Barnabas was stoned to death at Salonica. Paul, after various tortures and persecutions, was beheaded at Rome by the emperor Nero. I have good news. There's probably, probably not a person in this room who'll be tortured and killed for your faith. Now, I can't guarantee that because it could happen. Did you know there are many people throughout the world who are dying for their faith? Even now, even in today's world, people are being persecuted and literally dying a martyr's death because of their faith in Jesus Christ. I think for now, you're pretty safe in America, but things could always change. But most of us, hopefully all of us, will be able to escape having a martyr's death. But even if you're never called, if you're never called to die for your faith, every single one of us who's a follower of Jesus Christ is called to live sacrificially by faith, moment by moment and day by day. In Luke 9, 23 and following, Jesus said, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, herself. Take up your cross and follow him. Whoever tries to save his life will lose it. But if you lose your life, Jesus says, for my sake and the gospel, you shall find it. Jesus said, what shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world, yet loses his own soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? Listen, it would be better to live to be 35 years old and one day at 35 die a very painful martyr's death. But know that you know Jesus Christ. And you're following and serving him with all of your heart and life. Then it would be to live to be 105, 15 years older than Ms. Donis. And never have a headache. And never have an issue. And never have a problem. And be a billionaire. And yet not know Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. And one day go to hell. You see, our life on this earth is less than a snap of the finger in length compared to eternity. To eternity is forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. And it never stops. So if you've never given your life to Jesus Christ as Savior Lord, I beg you, I plead with you today. Give your life to Jesus Christ. And if you never nailed that down, nail it down today. You say, well, how do I nail it down? Just be honest with God. Say, God, I want to know that I know you. I'll follow Jesus. I'll be willing to turn from my sin and follow Christ. I believe he died on the cross and rose from the dead. It's not some kind of complicated formula. It's are you willing, (coughs) excuse me, to be a follower of Jesus Christ? A missionary society once wrote the great African missionary, Dr. David Livingston, and asked, have you found a good road to where you are? If so, we want to know how to send other men to join you. Livingston wrote back, if you have men who will come only if there is a good road, I don't want them. 
I want men who will come if there's no road at all. Listen, God is looking for people. He's looking for men. He's looking for women. He's looking for young people who are willing to follow him even if there's no road at all, even if life doesn't make sense at all, even if life looks like it's falling apart for you, he's calling you today. Will you trust in him? Will you follow him with all of your heart, with every fiber of your being? Now, I cannot guarantee you that if you follow Jesus Christ, life will be easy. It might be harder. I cannot guarantee you that if you follow Jesus Christ, all of your problems will go away. Wouldn't that be nice? Turn to your neighbor and say, wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> Amen? I can't guarantee you that if you follow Jesus, you're never going to have any issue, any problem. I can't guarantee you that you're going to be a millionaire, okay? You probably won't, okay? But I can guarantee you this. Anywhere with Jesus is better than anywhere else without him. Do you believe that? I'd rather be smack dab in the center of God's will than be in a jail somewhere than to live in a palace and yet know that I'm not trusting it and following Jesus Christ with my life. Verse 19 tells us, when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego refused to bow down to his idol, Nebuchadnezzar was furious. He ordered the furnace heated seven times more than it was usually heated. Listen, I don't care if it's 70 times more. It's really not going to matter because I have a God who's able to do more. You can ask and think or even imagine. Amen? Go to verse 22. Because the king's order was urgent. And the furnace overheated. The flame of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You see how hot that flame is? Even the people who brought Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to the furnace of fire, when they went to throw them in, they burned up, literally died from the heat. That's how hot the fire was. It was really hot. Hotter than you can imagine. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell bound into the burning, fiery furnace. As far as humanly possible, it's over. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're going to die. They're going to die quick, but very painful death. Praise God. He specializes in the impossible. Do you believe that? Go to verse 24. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished. And rose up in haste. He declared to his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound into the fire? They answered and said to the king, True, O king. He answered and said, But I see four men unbound walking in the midst of the fire. And they are not hurt. And the appearance of the fourth is like a son of the gods. Isn't that incredible? Think of the situation. Here are Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, our three friends who've chosen to follow God, even though it means they were thrown into a literal furnace of fire. A very, 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 very hot one. And yet, they didn't die. In fact, when the king looked into that fiery furnace, he didn't see three men. He saw a count of one, two, three, four. 
And the King James Version, best as I recall, says, and that fourth one had the appearance of the Son of God. Now, I can't really prove this by Scripture. Scholars will debate this. It's very possible that that fourth man in the fire was whom? The Lord Jesus Christ. That even for an angel, God himself said, I will be with you. No matter what circumstance you may face in this life. Verse 27 says, the hair on their heads was not singed. They didn't even smell like smoke. Not only were Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego spared, they were promoted. Nobody saw that coming. But can I be honest with you? Not everyone is spared from the fire. Not everyone who stands up for God gets a promotion. Not in this life, but they will all get a promotion in the next life. Some may get a promotion in this life, but some may get fired. Not everyone who's sick gets healed. Not in this life, but in the next life, you will have a perfect healing if you know Christ is Savior and Lord forever and ever and ever in heaven. No more problems, no more issues, no more struggles, no more pain. All will be perfect there. And in this life, Jesus has promised, no matter what you're facing, no matter what your issue, your struggle, your problem, or your need, he says, I will be with you. And if Jesus Christ is with you, it's enough. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your goodness and love. Lord, please move in this invitation. Help us to say yes to the word of God and to the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, please move in this room. Move on all of our hearts. For some of you, God's calling you. Nail it down. Know that you know Christ as Savior and Lord. Don't leave here without knowing. For others of you, God is calling you to rise up and live by faith. He's not saying, follow me and all your problems will go away. Some probably will, but you might get some extra ones. What he's saying is, you follow me no matter what the cost.